Good morning, heart and soul. You know, whenever I come before you, it's in this energy of knowing that I am on an adventure in faith with every sermon, every Sunday message, every facilitation experience. It is an adventure in faith. It's about letting go and letting God, about letting the divine um, unfold in, in public view while on mic, in fact. So I just want to acknowledge that when I say uh, our theme for this year is ad an adventure in faith, rise up. For me, that rise up is exactly the same as dig deep. So it's, it's because in, in spiritual consciousness, there is, it's the same thing to me to go deep is to also go high. <laughs> and I, I don't know that that's true in any other situation, circumstance, but that is my sense of, of how it, at least how it works for me. So I want to back up a little bit here to, in case you are joining us for the first time or haven't for a while, are you not remembering the last thing I said a few weeks ago? I just want to, sometimes the, the old softball player in me wants to tag the base before I move on. And so this is a form of me tagging and moving on that I want to remind you that this notion of rising up and digging deep is is with the intention of calling forth a new heaven and a new earth, new spirituality, a new consciousness that, of course, yields new outcomes, different circumstances, different situations. And so I want to remind you that in Isaiah 65 and 17, that the notion was Behold, I am creating. In 2 Peter 3 and 13, it was we look for the new heavens and the new earth. And this idea of dwelling in righteousness was all about right use of law. And so then ultimately, and this is where we hear it more, most frequently, Revelations 21 and 1, and I saw new heaven and new earth. So you begin to get the, the kind of continuum. And this is not the only, place in, only places in Scripture where this shows up. But the idea here is that I at least can see, can see the, the timeline. I can see the evolution, rather, not the timeline, the evolution of it from the divine, the awareness that I am creating new heavens and new earth, and I'm looking for a new heaven and new earth, and I saw, ah, now I, I see you now, new heaven. I see you, new earth, unfolding even as I speak. And what? The chaos was no more. The new earth manifested, the new situations, the new circumstances, and the chaos was no more. Oh, what a blessing indeed. Yes? So here's my sense, that there is a consciousness to which we might aspire. And that's why I think we meet on Sundays and Wednesdays and that we, we take the classes and that we read the books and that we participate in the activities is because there is a consciousness to which we aspire, one in which we accept all change 
as spiritual adventure. Now, this is a growing edge for somebody because for somebody, it's a, you know, I'm blown away by it either because it's magnificent or because it took my knees out from under me, metaphorically. The idea is that the more we can begin to perceive it as a spiritual adventure, whatever it is, whatever the bank notice sent you, whatever color the envelope is, it's a spiritual adventure. Whatever they said or didn't say, if the call came or didn't come, it's a spiritual adventure, an opportunity for us to know that for, it's always for the highest good, but you have to stay to the end. You know you've had that experience where you left the movie because it was too whatever it was, and then you talk to somebody, and you realize that it all came together in perfect order, that it all began to unfold in a different way that you don't know anything about because you left, what, five minutes before your blessing. You quit five minutes before the transformation. You quit before there was an opportunity for you to fully discover God in the experience, in the circumstance, in the condition. So this is truly an adventure in faith. We are forever on an adventure in faith. Look at here. I've come today to remind you, it is done unto you as you believe. So I, I just have to offer you, change your thinking, what? And you change your life. Ernest Holmes and the, the science of mind philosophy is really kind of, it's central to that. Just like it is done unto you as you believe is central to the master teacher Yeshua's message. The whole teaching. And then for Ernest Holmes, it's change your thinking. And when you do that, you will change your life. So look, in Mark 9, there's a story that I, 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 I can't, I'm, well, I don't know. Let me see what happens. I was about to say I can't tell you the whole story. What I'm, what I'm going to tell you is that on the slides that we're showing you, we're kind of starting in the middle because there's an important point here that uh, there's a father who brings his child who, for our purposes, we might look at it and say the child had epilepsy, a severe case of epilepsy, and um, is, has fallen out and has frothing. But this is an ongoing situation. So the master teacher is, is really talking with the father who has, who has and I'm really starting kind of mid-story to tell this part, but what's central to it is what I'm trying to get to. So the master teacher, Yeshua, is, is talking to the father about the circumstance, like how long has the child been like this and all of this. And we determine that all of his life, it's been like this for a long time. And ultimately, the master teacher says, if you were able, if you're able to believe, everything is able, possible to the one who believes. Now, let me just say that the translator is traitor. Because none of us knows, you know, we in the in the on the slide, if you're looking at the screen right now, you see quotation marks. You know, just act like that was a fun thing to add because nobody knows very specifically what was said, you know, to the point where you can add quotation marks. But we're we're trying I'm trying to make a little point here. 
And it is said that immediately the father of the boy cried out, weeping. Now, some scriptures don't tell you that it is with tears. Not just cried out, but is weeping, has tears, saying, <laughs> I, I, I already believe that. I already believe that most translations, what do I know about most? Many of the ones that I've read say, help thou my unbelief. Dr. Rocco Errico, though, says in translating it from Aramaic, it really says, I believe, my Lord, help thou my little belief. And that makes more sense to me. Why? Because he says, I believe, I really do believe, but my belief is trumped by yours. Mine is, you can barely see, feel, sense my belief compared to what you're bringing to the table, Master Teacher. That that's really the idea that I think is being conveyed here. That I believe, and my belief is part of the reason we're here talking about this. Because I believed enough to bring it to you to know what? To know that something else could happen. See, when we're not believing anything else can happen, we don't do anything. We kick back, we start telling people about the prognosis, and we all agree that every time we've ever heard of this, it ended up in death or it ended up badly. It ended up in circumstances, situations, circumstances that none of us wants to experience. I'm offering something different today. I'm offering something else today. I get that we're all in this together and we're going to want to begin to think individually and collectively in another way. See, we all know that this life is no easy road. At this point, everybody tuned in, my sense already has that, that we all know that sometimes you're stuck with a heavy load, like this father brought the son. It's a heavy load to have. A, well, whatever our situations and circumstances are that we're praying about and wanting some relief from, we all know it's hard to tell what to believe unless you discern that if you believe that it's done unto you as you believe, if you believe that, if you get clear about that, then you also will be clear how essential it is to change your thinking, to begin to change consciously and intentionally what you believe. So there's a song I want you to hear right now because we don't know what's waiting around the bend. We don't know if we'll walk this way again. We don't know if tomorrow is guaranteed. We don't know the truth until we see beyond. We're all in this thing together. Sometimes you're stuck 
with a heavy load. We all know it's hard to tell what to believe. We all know better to give than receive. We're all in this thing together. Every day we're each put to the test. Can't get far without each other. So help your brother to a little bit of happiness. We don't know what's waiting around the bend. We don't know if we'll walk this way again. We don't know if tomorrow is guaranteed. We don't know the truth until we see. beautiful find yourself a little happiness but help your brother your sister to that because what we're all on an adventure in faith and here's the idea this notion for me at least of helping our brother and sister find some happiness is us being centered in truth my sense is that too often we are agreeing with a worst case scenario that we are, someone shares a prognosis and we share a worse one. We, we up them with, with just ain't it awful. Oh, you don't know how awful it is. So on this adventure in faith, the idea is that we, that we have a different sense. Now, what I promised a couple of weeks ago, or whenever it was, was that 
what I want to do is to begin to talk to you, to share with you my sense of kind of how we get there. How do we go more deeply into the fullness of spirit, the allness of spirit? How do we rise up into the all and all? How do we do that? And so I want to, I want to tag back to Mark 9, but go a little further in. And it's the point at which the master teacher, Yeshua, actually uh, heals the child, if you will. And that healing is to, to, seems to be, the visual of it is that the demon, and you know that historically, uh, people believed that the things that they saw manifesting in humans were a result of, of other spirits being present. Now we have a different sense of that um, in, oftentimes. So at any rate, what happened, at least the way the story is told, is that when Yeshua says what he says and does what he does, that a demon is removed. The energetic presence of whatever it was that was holding the child in that pattern, and the child just falls out. So it's just like exhausted, faints, is, is, uh, feels uh, unlifelike in that moment. And so folks believe that, oh, he's dead now. But the master teacher took the child by the hand and raised him up. And later, so you can imagine how people are just buckeyed with mouths open watching this experience because they've never seen this happen before. Nobody's ever seen this, this kind of healing where it, where it is on that level where they see the child in the worst case scenario and then moments later it seems that it's entirely different. So later when, when the master teacher is along, alone with his disciples, they, they are... They're asking him and themselves, why were we not able to do this? Why, why, why can't we heal like you're doing? You know, you, you taught us some stuff. Why, can't, why is it that when we use the very stuff that you taught us, why is it that it's not working for us in the same way? And it is said, it's written, that the master teacher's response was that this sort this kind of thing can only come out by fasting and prayer. Now, my sense is that for most of my Bible reading life, I always thought it was fasting at the physical level, meaning that skip a meal and pray. And then, voila, <laughs> my consciousness is. Now, as I say that aloud for anybody else who thought, now, I'm not against fasting for, uh, for physical um, health and well-being. But this ain't that. I'm not talking about how many meals you skip would make a difference. Because I'm not believing that. I'm going to rock with something Emmett Fox said. If you're reading uh, around the year with Emmett Fox, 
regularly, you know that today he speaks to this. He's using some different scriptures, but the point that he makes is that the most profitable method of fasting is abstention from negative or error thoughts. I'm going to say negative and error thoughts, both, all of that. Let go of all of that. He says, in some cases, it's necessary to abstain from thinking about a particular problem at all because there are certain problems, usually those you've been mulling over too much, that are overcome only by prayer and fasting. Now, look at how I'm linking this up because you know that daddy, that baby has had that situation and circumstance for so long that the whole family and the neighbors and anybody who cares is mulling that over too much. We become at the effect of it. So you get the diagnosis and the prognosis, and then you keep thinking about it. And I know you're smart, and you go look it up. And you read about it, and then you, you subscribe to the blog about it, and then you just pretty soon you're the expert about it, but you're going to have to fast and pray. You're going to have to cut that out. You're going to have to fast from your focus being on that situation. Now, I know it sounds counterintuitive, but look at here. It's done unto you as you believe. So if you believe that your subscription to the blog is going to be the key to the healing, then go on with your blog self. But if you believe that there is a power and that's why we're willing to rise up and dig deep simultaneously, then you understand that you're going to have to fast from all of your intelligence, all the data around this diagnosis and prognosis. You're going to have to let all that go and consider a new thing. My sense is for everyone who saw that scene with the master teacher, that they left with a new thing. <laughs> they will never be able to think the same way again. You know, and, and my sense is that each of us in our own lives can tell a similar story, that each of us is aware of a time when we believed you know, uh, this is, I, I can only do what comes to me, y'all, that there was a time when folks thought, this, we're not going to the moon, it's a conversation. It's a conversation, but when they shoot, the, if they ever get anybody up out there, they're not going to be able to land nowhere because none of this is real. There are people, well, we know the Wright brothers, there's not going to be no planes up. But Columbus, the world is flat. We, come on, you can't trust us to know what it is and how, how it's going to be. She tried to tell you that in the song, that none of us knows how it's all going to unfold. So we are primed to believe, to trust the divine. Emmett Fox says that in such a case, like I've just described, where we are mulling it over and we're researching it, we're the smartest ones. When other folks get it, they call us because we know all about it. You better cut that out. In such a case, it's best to give the problem a definite and final prayer and then leave it alone for a time. <laughs> he says, or else hand it over bodily to somebody else to handle for you. We're in this together, y'all. That's why we offer prayer right after and on Wednesday mornings early. That's why we're setting it up so that you can call in, you can write in, you can get it all kind of ways. 
after which your work is to keep your thoughts completely away from it. That's the fasting. See, I don't really care what you eat and when you eat it. It's what you're consuming at the level of consciousness. It's what you're taking in, what you're bathing your brain in that matters in this instance. Genevieve, Genevieve Barron. I have a little, I'm in a little study group, and <laughs> we've been rocking some Genevieve Barron of late, and uh, we'll know for a long time, because this little study group, we just, just three of us, and we're just taking our time with it. And so Genevieve Barron offers us that thought power is the kingdom of God in us always creating the results in our physical forms corresponding to our normal sustained thought. Our physical results, our outcomes, correspond to our regular thinking. Not that special thinking that you do on Sunday morning when you tune in. Not that Wednesday evening when you tune into IJ. Not that. I'm talking about your regular, where you agreeing with stuff on TV, with pundits and such, and when the diagnosis, and I'm talking about that regular, normal, sustained thinking, that one. That's what we're wanting to change. And, and I have this sense, look, actually, uh, w when we were talking about the Genevieve Barron quote in, in my little study group, um, I started getting, pictures started coming to me, ideas of uh, what I could use to, to share this with y'all. And a member of the study group said, well, well, I offered some other ideas. And a member of the study group said, a pogo stick. And so, I have before you now, oops, water on the floor, a pogo stick. Now, what you need to know is we would have to charge you for today's service if I were to get on it. So rather than have to do a whole PayPal thing for you to pay for that, because I'd have to pay for that. And then, you know, to see the medics come and all that. But the idea, what I want to remind you of is how this works, because I think it can be beneficial for us. So it's a device for jumping off the ground, for rising up. I need you to, I'm, I'm gonna try to explain this in a way so everybody can catch on. This is a device that can be used when somebody wants to rise up off of where they are, because you see, in order to start the thing, you gotta get up here. You've already risen just getting on here. And for some, that's all we master. It's just getting both feet up. Which is, which is in itself saying a lot. Then you got to stay up. Now, look, I'm not really talking about jumping on a pogo stick. I'm using it as a metaphor. What I'm talking about, remember our normal sustained thinking is what I'm talking about. So in order to do this, you have to get on it. So you, you know this in here, this is the spring. And so the idea is that once your weight is on it, your full weight is on it, it pushes down on the spring. So you have to be willing to work with it. When it's at full compression, the jumper is lifted by the recoil. 
And if you've ever seen the young folks do this, you see that there is mastery in it. Because not only can they just, can they jump up and down, which we're like, ooh, that's really good. But they can then move it in the directions they want to go, can go higher than we even imagine. So look at here, this process is repeated to maintain a periodic bounce. So you have to do it enough. But you see, we don't do prayer like that. We don't do our conscious awareness like that. We like, we will tell the facilitator, the practitioner, I already did that. But on a pogo stick, you cannot announce, I've already compressed it. It requires continuous and continuing action. Focused attention, you can't talk on the phone and pogo. It requires the, the focused attention of shifting your weight. Come on, somebody. Understand what I'm talking about. Shifting your weight off the center line of what you used to believe into the direction of how you want to go now. Y'all better pogo metaphorically. I'm not suggesting that anybody hop on a pogo stick right away. <laughs> In fact, I want the video to reflect that I discouraged anybody from going out getting on the grandchildren's <laughs> pogo stick. Y'all need to hear me with this. But instead, the idea is that we begin to shift our thinking as if we want to be able to rise up with a continuous action. We're going to have to focus in a way. Look, Genevieve Barron goes on to say, you have been given dominion over every adverse circumstance and condition which may arise. It's the conscious use of the creative power of thought to protect and guide you through. Here's the thing. It'll provide for you as well, but it's only attainable through an understanding of the natural relations between mental action and material conditions. So you may not have understood before the science of pogoing. But here's the thing. If you understand how life gets to be the way it is, you'll understand how you must behave in order to have the kind of outcome. Because you can hang on to the little pogo stick, I'm gonna leave it here so y'all can maybe see it as we go, to be reminded that there, there is something that you're responsible for your part. You know, for you have to balance you. You have to figure out exactly how do I, how do I, yeah. And those of us who did it as youngsters, you know, with our fearlessness, <laughs> that we just hopped on it. But I don't think anybody gets it right the first time. You have to focus enough to, to learn how to use your weight. I'm talking to you about the power of, of the conscious use of creative power. You have to determine how to use your weight. Judge Thomas Troward, who... Genevieve, we're aware of Genevieve Barron because she was, her, she was Thomas Troward's only student. And so Thomas, Judge Thomas Troward said, by your habitual thoughts, 
Remember she said your normal sustained thought? That's what we're talking about here. I'm using this pogo stick as a metaphor because it requires a habitual, it requires sustained balance in order to do it. She says by your habitual thoughts, you create corresponding external physical conditions. By what you do on here, it allows you to then be in a whole, look how I'm doing this. Ooh, look at me. You see, it's, it's that idea that there is a way to soar, but you're going to have to do and be what's required in order to have that as an outcome. Judge Troward says, because you create the nucleus which attracts to itself its own correspondence by that, by that activity in mind and in body, he says, in due order, the finished work is manifested on the material plane. But you got to do your part. You must do your part. And here, I understand what a challenge it is for us because we believe, as, as our brother James Baldwin says, that any change in what we believe, especially the changes we've been playing for, praying for, excuse me, cause the breakup of the world as we've always known it. And that's scary. I know it's scary. <laughs> but you see, you're not going to get off the ground until you do something that's scary, until you let go of the rails. Remember last week, if you were here, and if not, it, it just gives me joy to update you, that we were bathed in Ricky Byers' music. And one of the songs, which was um, something turned me round, she says these amazing lyrics, I gave up mental contamination. Let's start there. How about that? Let's just start by giving up mental contamination and start building a spiritual foundation. Consciously and intentionally, she says in the song, and part of the lyric says, the world all around me was falling down. And the moment I heard that, you know, this is vintage Ricky, but the moment I heard that in the context of James Baldwin, I realized that our fear is unfounded. Because her next line of the song, the world all around me was falling down, and when it crumbled, I saw higher ground. Yeah? Yeah, you see, when I let go of the fear, when I let go of the doubt, when I let go of the prognosis, when I let go of the, the, the gossip about it, I can see that there's something greater that awaits me. This has become my favorite, though. I stopped. That's part of the lyric. I stopped. I stopped doing what I used to do. I stopped thinking what I used to think. I, start, I stopped moving in this unconsciousness. And when I stopped, the spirit got a hold on me. And something turned me around, she said. I think that that's so powerful. I want to make sure that I dip you in that again, that I stopped. We got to just stop for a moment. We got, there's no way to get on this with a run. 
You must stop and almost consciously and intentionally get yourself up there. Even if you're young enough to safely hop up there in one fell swoop, it still is a conscious and intentional move. Ernest Holmes says that our challenges change to opportunities and our problems to possibilities. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for that divine shift from the way we used to think about a thing, the way we've been entertaining it, the way our friends and family see it. Because when we're urged forward by divine truth, <laughs> then we proceed into correct action and bring forth right solutions. I want to remind you that you are not the victim of verdicts. Not a medical, not economic, not age, not social, not financial. But there is a divine verdict upon you. And it's the divine declaration of you. It's about all of us. Because we are, <laughs> we are eternal descendants of the all in all. By any name, by God, by the illumined one, by the living one, the strong one. That's the truth of our being. You see, affirmations cha changed my life. There was a point in which I was clearly in a dark night of the soul. A dark month of the soul. And I began using affirmations in earnest. And my life began to shift. It got lighter. It came back to me. It felt like it was, it was under the control of others, that I was at the effect of people and circumstances and situations and through my early use of affirmations my locus of control was returned to me i had a sense that i had way more to do with my life circumstances than i had been believing and acting as if and so i offer you this affirmation just for now tweak it however you need to tweak it for you Get your own, but I encourage you to begin affirming something because we're rising up. And everybody won't rise at the same level or at the same speed or at the same height, or, but we're in this together. So we affirm together. There is no power opposed to me as its beloved outlet. I now erase all opposition within my own thought. And I am a free and open channel for omnipotence. I face all things with faith, cheer, and an expectancy of good. That expectancy of good is critical. I am a spiritual optimist, for I know that through God's guidance, everything works together for good. My life is now a victorious one, and problems dissolve as I think, 
and embrace truth. Today is filled with victory. Back during our anniversary of 2019, our 10th anniversary, the film Harriet about our beloved matron saint was released. And there's a scene in that film, and we have heard it in folklore as well, where there's water that has to be crossed. And of course, folks are like, I'm going to freedom, but I don't want to have to go in the water to do it. And the demonstration is that she literally, in the movie at least, has to hold her, her gun, her rifle, up above her head in order for it not to get wet. Because, you know, there's a point at the water is high. But she's able to cross. And so I want you to hear this. This notion of come on into the water wade in the water children it's gonna be all right it's gonna be all right god's gonna trouble the water it's gonna work out whatever it is that you're afraid of that you're releasing it you're trusting you're believing in something beyond remember you're a spiritual optimist you know that <clears throat> this and all things are working together for good, for all good. So I leave you with this invitation to wade in the water and know that God's going to trouble the water and that it's going to be all right. It's already all right. Trouble the water. Oh, hey, the water, the water, the water. 
the thing y'all right where we are right now I'm just going to invite you to <laughs> stop remember Ricky's words I stopped and in my stopping spirit was able to do something so we're going to stop right now and give the divine an opportunity an invitation to be and I'm just going to begin by saying what I know is so, that there is only one life. There are lots and lots of manifestation, infinite manifestations, but there's one life. And it's the living one, the strong one. It is magnificent. It, it, it has everything. Everything in life shows up in this. Everything is all, it's all God. <laughs> I have to remind myself that it's either God or it isn't. And because I believe it's God, I have to cease and desist having these little exceptions to it. This part over here doesn't seem to be God. It's all God. There's not a spot where God is not. Everywhere present, 365. 24 7 365 always present knowing all power the creative power behind and within absolutely everything so what I know for sure is that God is and that God is all there is and so knowing that God is all there is I know that I'm a part of that I know that right where I am, the whole perfect and complete nature of the divine is. It is in me. Not, I'm not asking anybody else to see it. I'm not asking anybody else to know it or talk about it or to, to nothing. It doesn't have anything to do with anyone else. 
This is about my awareness, my awareness that I am one in God. God and I be one. I and the Father are one. That if there's only God and I'm here, I must be a part of that. There's no way to separate me or anyone else out. I, the word I am speaking now is true for all of us. God is, I am. <laughs> and knowing that, knowing that God is, the allness of God is and is present everywhere, always. <sighs> and then knowing I am in that presence. I can't help but know all is well. All is well. I can't always see the wellness of it all, but I know, I know it's all well. And then I start looking for, and anticipating with great expectancy, how that all is well is going to show up in this right now. But the idea here is that I am giving it breath and scope in order to manifest. And so I speak this word, that it be a call of love. Come, Holy Spirit, come, be right here in me, as me. It's the manifestation of perfect health and well-being. It's the manifestation of an abundance of all things good, also known as prosperity, as an abundance of relationships, positive healing relationships, honoring relationships, fun, loving relationships. I'm giving thanks for the creative self-expression in my life and in all life for anyone within the sound of my voice who is wanting a piece of this action, a piece of this awareness. Then I invite the divine belief, expectancy, anticipation of good, the good that already is and is unfolding always. Oh, I speak this word that my, my eyes be cleared in scripture where the mud is placed over the eyes. I am, I am metaphorically placing the, the mud and the spittle just so that I can see more clearly the good that God is in my life and in life. I give thanks. I give thanks for this revelation. I give thanks for this knowing. I give thanks for the order in the universe that is manifesting right now as the truth unfolding in life that God is and all is well. I know it's not easy to see. I know it's not easy to feel. But I'm standing in the gap, seeing and feeling and knowing all is well in God. And so knowing this, I release it. I drop kick it, turbocharge it into the perfect activity of law, which I know is simply the love of God. There's no magic. It's releasing it into that that is known, that is the very order of the universe. It's, it's taking the human meddling out of it. <laughs> and just say, God's got this. 
God's got this. And so I just let it be. Now and forevermore. I seal it by simply saying, Ashe. Amen. And so it is. Love matters. Love matters.